Why, hello there! Audioverse welcomes you to Storytime Adventures. I'm Miss Michelle, and I invite you to travel with us through stories that teach important lessons along the way. Meet Seifer, our traveling book companion, and other adventuring young friends while we journey into stories that teach the importance of forming good habits and making wise choices while we're young. So sit back, make yourself comfortable, and join us as we travel through each storytime adventure. Miss Michelle, it's Tyson. Hi, Tyson. Come on in. How are you doing? Great. Good. And how was school? Fun. We're collecting cans right now to take to the poor people. And whichever class brings in the most cans wins a dress-down day. Oh, I remember the can drive. My third grade classroom brought in almost 1,300 cans one year. Wow, that's a lot of cans. <laughs> well, they worked hard. We were so thankful to be able to bring food to help the needy families around us, especially as the weather was starting to get colder. By the way, did you bring a thick coat like I asked you? I did, but it's not that cold outside yet. Why do we need a thick coat? Well, you'll find out. Let's go find Seifer. Yay, Seifer! Whoa, there are lots of mirrors down this hallway. Yup, I call it my Hall of Mirrors. And Seifer is waiting for us here with another story today. Last time, wasn't he in the Room of Virtues when Claire came? Why is he here today in the Hall of Mirrors? So, the reason today's story takes place here in this Hall of Mirrors is because we're going to get a chance to take a good look at ourselves through the story. Are we the same on the outside like we are on the inside? Or just like when we look at these mirrors, are we different kinds of people, depending on the situation? That's interesting, Miss Michelle. I can't wait to hear the story. Alrighty then. Let's open up Seifer and head into our storytime adventure. Oh, and Tyson, you might want to put that coat on. It's cold, Miss Michelle. See why I told you to bring your coat? I'd say it's maybe January here, looking at all this snowfall. I see a house over there, and a warm fire inside. That's exactly where we're headed. You come along too, listening friends. Our story today is called Another Commandment. A new minister by the name of Pastor Nelson was expected in the district. And as all the new ministers stopped at Brother Wilson's house first, Brother Wilson and his wife made every preparation to give him the warmest reception. The honest couple wanted everything to be perfect and took great pride in putting their beautiful home in perfect order. A crackling fire warmed the living room and the smells wafting from the kitchen made your mouth water. Mrs. Wilson was an excellent cook and she carefully prepared dish after dish in honor of their new pastor. While Mr. Wilson was out at the woodpile making sure to bring in plenty of firewood to keep their important guest warm, a plain looking, poorly dressed, 
quiet-like traveler came along. Hello, sir. Would you kindly tell me how far it is to the next town? Why, it's three more miles. Oh, that's farther than I thought. <sighs> it's very cold out here. Would you kindly let me warm myself by your fireplace for just a little while? Uh, well, I suppose, for just a short while. His wife looked up, saw the stranger, and threw daggers with her eyes at this untimely intrusion, for the stranger had on cowhide boots, an old hat, and a threadbare but neatly patched coat. Benjamin, what are you doing letting that strange man in? The pastor is supposed to walk in at any moment. Mabel, he was cold outside and asked if he could warm himself inside. How could I say no? Don't worry, he won't stay long. Mrs. Wilson pushed a chair toward the stranger, and he sat beside the Dutch oven, which was baking nice cakes for the new pastor, who was momentarily expected, as he was to preach the next day at the church, a mile or two beyond. The stranger, after warming himself, prepared to leave, but the weather became inclement, and the snow began to fall again. Smelling the delicious cooking had also reminded him of just how hungry he was, and he hesitatingly asked, I'm so sorry to bother you, but may I have just a little something to eat before I head out into the snow to continue my journey? Mrs. Wilson was displeased, but after talking with her husband, cold biscuits with butter and jam were set out at an old table. There, you may have some of that now. It was growing dark, and they kept hinting to the stranger that he had better depart, as it was three long miles to town. The simple meal was at last finished, and the man thanked them kindly for the hospitality he had received, and opening the door, prepared to go. But it was quite dark, and the clouds denoting a storm filled the heavens. You say it's a full three miles to the next town? Yes, it is. I said so when you first stopped, and you should have pushed on like a diligent man. You could have definitely reached there before it got this dark. But I was so cold and hungry, I might have fainted by the way. His manner of saying this touched the farmer's feelings a little. You have warmed and fed me, for which I am thankful. Will you now bestow another act of kindness upon one in a strange place, who if he goes out into the darkness may lose himself and perish in the cold? May I stay here for the night? The particular form in which this request was made, and the tone in which it was uttered, put it out of the farmer's heart to say no. Go in there and sit down, he answered, pointing to the kitchen. And I will go and talk to my wife and hear what she says. And Mr. Wilson went into the parlor where the supper table stood, covered with snow-white cloth and displaying his wife's set of blue-sprigged china that was brought out only on special occasions. The tall mold candles were burning thereon, and the hearth blazed a cheerful fire. Hasn't that old fellow gone yet? asked Mrs. Wilson. She heard his voice as he returned from the door. No, and guess what? He wants us to let him stay all night. No, we will do no such thing. We cannot have the likes of him in the house. Where could he sleep? Not in the best room, even if Pastor Nelson did not come. No, indeed. 
But really, I don't see, Mabel, how we can turn him out of doors. He doesn't look like a strong man, and it's a full three miles. It's too much. He ought to have gone on while he had daylight, and not lingered here as he did till it got dark. Well, we can't turn him out of doors, Mabel, and it's no use to think of it. He'll have to stay somehow. But what can we do with him? He seems like a decent man, at least. There's nothing sketchy or bad about him. We can just make a bed on the floor. When Mr. Wilson returned to the kitchen, where the stranger had seated himself before the fire, he informed him that he had decided to let him stay all night. The man expressed in few words his grateful sense of their kindness, and then became silent and thoughtful. Soon after, the farmer's wife, giving up all hope of Pastor Nelson's arrival, decided to have the family eat dinner. After the delicious bread was on the table, a short conference was held as to whether they should invite the stranger to eat with them. It was true that they had given him as much bread as he could eat. But then, as long as he was going to stay all night, it looked too inhospitable to sit down to the table and not ask him to join them. So, making a virtue of necessity, he was kindly asked to come to supper, an invitation which he did not decline. Grace was set over the meal by Mr. Wilson, and the meal began. Their little six-year-old boy, Charles, was also at the table, dressed in his best in order to grace the minister's table, and the parents felt a mutual pride in showing him off, even before their humble guest, who noticed him particularly, though he had not much to say. Come, Charlie. Will you sing the song that Mama taught you last Sabbath? Charlie started singing without hesitation. Now let us hear you say the commandments, Charlie, spoke up the mother, well pleased with her son's performance, and Charlie repeated them with little prompting. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image of anything that is an Great job, son. Now, how many commandments are there? The child hesitated, and then looking at the stranger who sat next to him, said innocently, How many are there? The man thought for some moments, and said as if in doubt, Eleven, are there not? Eleven, said Mrs. Wilson in unfeigned surprise. Eleven, said her husband with more rebuke than astonishment in his voice. Is it possible, sir, that you do not know how many commandments there are? How many are there, Charlie? Ten, replied the child. Right, my son. Right. There isn't a child of his age in ten miles who can't tell you that there are ten commandments. Did you ever read the Bible, sir? When I was a boy, I used to read it sometimes. But I am sure I thought there were eleven commandments. Are you not mistaken about there being ten? Mrs. Wilson lifted her hands in unfeigned astonishment and exclaimed, Could anyone believe it? Such ignorance of the Bible! Mr. Wilson did not reply, but rose, and going to the corner of the room where the good book lay upon the stand, he put it on the table before him and opened that portion in which the commandments are recorded. There, he said, placing his finger upon the proof of the stranger's error. There, look for yourself. 
The man came around from his side of the table and looked over the stranger's shoulder. There, do you see? Yes, it does say so, replied the man. And yet it seems to me there are eleven. I'm sure I always thought so. Doesn't it say ten here? It does, certainly. Well, what more do you want? Can't you believe the Bible? Oh yes, I believe the Bible. And yet it strikes me somehow that there must be eleven commandments. Hasn't one been added somewhere else? Now this was too much for brother and sister Wilson to bear. Such ignorance of sacred matters they felt to be unpardonable. A long lecture followed in which the man was scolded, admonished, and threatened with divine indignation. As its close, he modestly asked if he might have the Bible to read for an hour or two before retiring for the night. This request was granted with more pleasure than any of the preceding ones. Shortly after supper, the man was conducted to the little spare room, accompanied by the Bible. Before leaving him alone, Mr. Wilson felt it to be his duty to exhort him to spiritual things, and he did so most earnestly for ten or fifteen minutes. But he could see that his words weren't making that much of an impression, and he finally left his guest lamenting his stubbornness and ignorance. In the morning, he came down, and meeting Mr. Wilson, asked if he would be so kind as to lend him a razor that he might remove his beard, which did not give his face a very attractive appearance. His request was complied with. We will have prayers in about ten minutes, said Mr. Wilson as he handed him the razor and shaving box. The man appeared and behaved very politely at family worship. After breakfast, he thanked the farmer and his wife for their hospitality and finally departed on his journey. Who was that stranger anyway? And will Pastor Nelson never come? Well, we'll find out when we get back to our story after this short break. Hi, parents, grandparents, and any adults listening in. We hope that you and the kids are enjoying Storytime Adventures. This series is brought to you by Audioverse, an online ministry providing inspirational, Bible-based, Christ-centered, life-changing media for the whole family. Before we hear the rest of today's story, we want to be sure to let you know that Audioverse has lots of great content to feed your soul, too. From powerful sermons and insightful seminars to audiobooks, audio Bibles, and much more, there is a blessing for everyone. The best part of all? All this content is completely free. Just visit audioverse.org or download our free mobile app today. Happy listening, and now let's get back to Miss Michelle for the rest of the story. Ten o'clock came, but Pastor Nelson still had not arrived at their home. So Mr. and Mrs. Wilson started for the meeting house, hoping they would find him there. But they were disappointed. A number of people were inside the meeting house and quite a number of people outside, but the minister still had not arrived. Where is Pastor Nelson? inquired a dozen voices as a crowd gathered around the farmer. He hasn't come yet. Something has detained him. But I will look for him. I fully expect to find him here. The day was cold, and Mr. Wilson, after becoming thoroughly chilled, decided to keep a good lookout for the minister from the window near which he usually sat. The little meeting house was soon filled, and the farmer, who turned towards the door each time it was opened, was a little surprised to see his guest 
the stranger from the evening before enter and come slowly down the aisle, looking on either side as if searching for an empty seat, which there weren't many of because the church was so full. Still advancing, he finally got to the pulpit, went up the stairs, took off his old gray overcoat, and sat down. By this time, Mr. Wilson was by his side and had his hand upon his arm. You can't sit here. Come down and I will show you a seat, he said in an embarrassed tone. Thank you, replied the man in a composed voice. It is very comfortable here. And the man remained immovable. Mr. Wilson, whose face was red by this point, went down, intending to find another elder who could help him force this man back down from the place he was desecrating. Immediately, the stranger arose and, standing up at the desk, opened the hymn book. His voice thrilled to the very ends of Mr. Wilson's fingers as in a distinct and impressive manner he gave out the hymn beginning. Help us to help each other care, Lord, each other's cross to bear. Let each his friendly aid afford and feel our brother's care. The congregation rose after the stranger had read the entire hymn and had repeated the first two lines for them to sing. After singing, the congregation knelt, and the minister, for no one doubted his real character now, addressed the throne of grace with much fervor and eloquence. The reading of a chapter in the Bible succeeded. Then there was a deep pause throughout the room in anticipation of the text, which the preacher prepared to announce. The dropping of a pin might have been heard. Then the fine, emphatic tones of the preacher filled the room. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another. Brother Wilson had bent forward to listen, but now he sunk back in his seat. This was the eleventh commandment. The sermon was deep, searching, yet affectionate and impressive. The preacher uttered nothing that could in the very least wound the brother and sister of whose hospitality he had partaken, but he said much that smote upon their hearts and made them painfully conscious that they had not shown as much kindness to the stranger as he had been entitled to receive on the broad principles of humanity. But they suffered more from mortification to think that they had treated the presiding minister of the district so coldly was deeply humiliating, and the idea of the whole affair getting abroad interfered sadly with their devotional feelings throughout the whole period of service. At last, the sermon was over, the ordinance administered, and the benediction pronounced. Brother Wilson did not know what was best for him to do. He never was more at a loss in his life. Pastor Nelson descended from the pulpit, but Mr. Wilson did not step forward to meet him. How could he? Others gathered around him, but still he lingered and held back. Where's Brother Wilson? 
he at length heard asked. It was the voice of the minister. Here he is, as they opened a path toward him. The preacher advanced and grabbing his hand said, How do you do, Brother Wilson? I'm glad to see you. And where is Sister Wilson? Sister Wilson, whose face was also bright red, was brought forward, and the preacher shook hands with them heartily while his face was lit up with smiles. I believe I am to find a home with you, he said warmly as if it were settled. The embarrassed couple took their new pastor home, and ever after, they remembered with humility the Eleventh Commandment. The Wilsons soon became the kindest, warmest, and most loving people you had ever met, and not just towards those who were prestigious and important, but anyone and everyone that crossed their paths. Miss Michelle, I could totally see why the story took place in the Hall of Mirrors. You can? Tell me about it. Well, the elder and his wife were probably good people. That's why they had all the pastors come and stay with them. They were nice and generous, but only to the people that they liked. When the stranger came to them, they were cold and rude. And even though they did the right thing, they did it because they felt like they had to. Not because they were happy to, or because they wanted to. Tyson, you hit the nail right on the head. They were the type of people who definitely showed different sides to different people. Well, what about us? It's really easy to be nice to our friends, or to people that are important or popular. But are we kind and nice to the kids who may be poor, or who may be unpopular, or to those kids who may not be as coordinated at sports like we are, or maybe not very good at studying? What about to the kids who are shy and quiet? Are we still as nice and kind and warm to them as we are to our friends? Those are some really good questions, Miss Michelle. I really want to make sure that I'm showing the same side to everyone, not just to the people that I like or that are nice back to me. Yes, me too. It reminds me of the verse found in Matthew 25, 40 that says, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And I think right now is the perfect time to head over to the studio to learn our new song. It's called A New Commandment.
Well, Tyson, thanks for coming along on today's adventure. That was fun. Thanks, Miss Michelle. You're welcome, Tyson. And thank you, listening friends, for joining us. Next time, make sure you come find me in the map room because our next story takes place halfway across the world. You'll want to bring along some binoculars, too. Why, you ask? Well, you'll find out when you join us for our next Storytime Adventure. Adventure.